Here comes the rush. Rule throws to the end zone, and the pass is caught. Burnham makes the grab. A flag comes down. They rule the ball, touch the turf, but there are two flags on the play. But Burnham is sure he made this grab. Yeah. Touch the ground? I never saw that ball touch the ground. I don't that's think it did. Catch. That's a touchdown. Now, absolutely a touchdown. This is an amazing grab by Burnham. Pass. Restore the Roar is a podcast hosted by Michael Ball and features Lions broadcaster and former quarterback Julio Caravana. Each week, this duo will tackle issues involving the BC Lions and the CFL. In each installment, they'll also highlight a player, coach, or builder at the amateur level in the province and take a trip down memory lane in the Lions Legends segment. Now, here's Ballsy. This is Restore the Roar, installment two here on Growing the Game with Ballsy. As always, I'm joined by former Lions quarterback and current broadcaster Julio Caravata, and that's where we start the first quarter of Restore the Roar. Julio, uh, our second installment of Restore the Roar, the first one went over pretty good, so that's good. I'm I'm happy about that. Um, Now, I've had people reach out to me, BC Lion fans direct message me, and they ask me, Ballsy? Will the Lion games be on the radio this year? Because we know what happened to TSN in Vancouver, the rights holder. Yeah. Will the games be on the radio this season? Where can we find the Lions on the radio, the Lion games? Well, can you fill us in? Yeah. Well, I, you mean, I can, I, I, you mean, I like, I, I'm sure BC Lions fans all over the province have been wondering about this. There is going to be an announcement pretty quick. Baldy, you and I uh, share the same passion. Um, and we need to get the game out there, right? However we can get it out there, it needs, and especially here in this market on the radio, people, so many people are accustomed to listening to the games on the radio, so we've got a great fan base, and rest assured it will be on the radio. It, uh, all those details are being worked out, but I'm sure there'll be an announcement pretty quickly here. Do you like the schedule in terms of the days of the week they play? Now, I know this is, it'd be hard to do because you can't please everybody, but I always want to see the Lions and the Argos in particular have as many Saturday games as they can for families because I think like you just mentioned listening people will listen people will watch on TV in those two markets they just won't take the time to go Thursday and Friday to the game to the games yes yeah no I I, I agree I think that that's one of the things that they have to be able to do is is make it as 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 easy as possible for people to get out to the to the games right and those those dates uh, in particular are, are are things that work the best for this team you know, it's 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 a very it's a very fickle market, and you know it's Vancouver, right? And during the summertime, and even into the fall, because we don't have those harsh harsh the harsh weather, um, there's a lot of things to do here, and and people choose to do a lot of different things, especially if it's nice weather. So that's one of the big obstacles. But I, you mean I like that where they are as far as the weekend games because that's that's probably the best suited date for them. But we'll see. Well, you know, here I'm the only other thing. Two balls. I'm, I'm excited to see, and I'm sure you're not. It's not going to be as much an effect there because the pa- fans are always there in Saskatchewan. Um, but how many people have missed being out? Like, how many people are going to be willing to go out and, and just because they they haven't been able to yeah. uh, and go catch a game? And that's why it's so important too for this market is that if they can, if you're, you're going to get those fans that are going to bring their families or go themselves and see a good entertaining product, that's that's what's going to bring them back, yeah. right? So that's why this team, you know, hopefully can get out of the gate and get a good start and get people interested early on. 
All right, so uh, we're both glad football's back, uh, as you alluded to, and uh, that's a great thing, but it doesn't fix the problems the CFL has had. We can't just forget about that. We need to remember that. So like you said, how do we get them back to the stadium? One of my favorite things and why I became a BC Lions fan, I love tuning into the late game. I loved as a young kid staying up late to watch football, the the 9 o'clock start in Saskatchewan here. But I, I would stay up late and I'd watch Roy DeWalt versus Tom Clements and there'd be 55,000 in the stands because BC oh. Place was just new. I don't know that we'll ever get back to that. I hope we can, but how do we get to maybe even 2011 where we might have 30,000 yeah. in the stands? Yeah. That's, I think that's more well, realistic right now. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And, and you know the biggest obstacle, one of the biggest obstacles, so you, it, it's clearly one, the product has to be entertaining, right? People need to they're like as I said, they're fickle here in that you know if the team's winning, then they're going to be more interested in saying, "Hey, listen, I, I'm more apt to go out to a game." The other part of this whole equation, too, Ballsy, is this: is BC Place as great a stadium as it is, mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic venue. It's just so big, right? And and you know one of the great things about the new stadium in Regina, and if you when you go to Winnipeg and you go to Hamilton, is the intimacy. Right and, and, and of you know when you got eighteen or twenty thousand people in there, it, it's a packed house. But when you have thirty thousand people in BC Place and the rest of it is empty, you know, it just is not a it's not a conducive atmosphere, right? And and mm-hmm. we know how the game has changed in and how people watch the game, right? It's one of the great things again why and I and I, and I keep referencing back to um, the stadium in in Regina, but Mosaic has got those end zones where you can where the kids can have some beers and walk around and it's pilsner place in regina it's the yeah. rum hut in winnipeg yeah. ottawa has the end zones yeah you need to i, I get that but yeah, and, that- and people watch the games differently right they, they the kids nowadays right like they're on their phone they can walk around and talk to another while the game's going on mm-hmm. and which means you can't restrict them in a seat Right, so you've got to have some sections where they're able to walk around and, and move around and talk with their friends, and it's more casual. And there's a whole bunch of those areas in Mosaic. I know there's the end zone. I know there's some places on the concourse there that, you know, that they sell a ticket and you go in there and you can walk around. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have to sit in one seat. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's about that experience too. And and let's be honest, right? Like when you have a sixty thousand seat stadium and you're getting, you know, you're getting, you know, eighteen, nineteen, and it looks bone bone empty well if you're getting nineteen thousand in calgary it's pretty full yeah it doesn't right? it, do, it, it doesn't it, look good on tv either it doesn't, doesn't translate good, good. yeah it doesn't yeah. look good on tv either right so yeah, yeah. that's something that, that that i don't know how that gets fixed i don't know how that gets fixed but it is it is a problem you know, we talk about the XFL, hey, O'Mary, and that's something we could talk about another time. But this one, I think, is very feasible. Bill, C218 is going to be huge yeah. for sports in Canada. Single game day betting. I talked to the MP that brought it forward from Saskatoon, Grasswoods. That would be Kevin Waugh. And he estimates anywhere between $1.5 to $2 million a team. It could grow to a point where it covers maybe 30% of the players' salaries. Then you got, you know, Julio, you got sponsorship deals with different teams. I hear yeah. the... I hear the uh, province of BC is ahead of everybody else so that's yes. good news for the Lions in terms of that but then you got um, 
you know, maybe you get Mike Riley going for a betting site and doing a, a personal deal to make an extra fifteen thousand dollars. Like, yeah, but and that's we how you got to be creative. Yeah, yeah, but we need we need the teams and the provinces to embrace this. If you look at New York, Governor Cuomo has screwed that thing up so bad. Betting sites don't even want to have anything to do with it there in New York. So we've got to have guys wrap their brains around this, the governments, the teams, so that we could. You know, this is extra revenue for the CFL. They yeah. can't they can't screw this up. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's a bit of a game changer, too, because, you know, as being a fireman, I, I, you know, come across a lot of young guys who are sports fans. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a lot older than they are. So it's interesting to always get their perspective and watch them. And, and you know what, like there, there's a, a massive amount that bet on sports. Mm-hmm. And that you know, I mean, their ability to do it through their phone, and and it's not. I'm not talking about you know big money, but you know that single game. Hey, is Mike Riley going to throw for more than 150 yards in this half? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. That's what keeps them interested. That's what keeps them watching. Hey, Ballsy, I don't have to tell you, okay? I I and I did it, and I I'm not doing it anymore because I don't like the way it, it forces me to watch football. Because I'm a football fan. I yeah. don't care about the, whether it's NFL, NCAA. I don't care. High school, I watch football, but I don't like being a part of this fantasy stuff because I don't like the way that it makes me watch the games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm not watching football, right? All I care about is whether or not, you know, my third running back who I've used as a flex guy is, is going to, is going to have a carry. And that's all I care about. I don't care about the game. I don't care about the strategy and, and watching the, all the other stuff. All I care about is the touches. And, and, and that's what, that's where this generation is. But where, Julio fantasy in the CFL is lame. It's lame. We only have nine no. teams. So I like the fact and sorry to cut you off, but I'm on your side. I like the fact, and this is where maybe even if it's a 60,000 seat stadium, I can walk into BC place. I can get my hamburger. I can get my beer, get your 50, 50. Then I can go to the wicket right there and I can, I can d- decide if Mike Riley's going to throw for 150 yards in the first half or not, and I can bet on that. Yeah, and, yeah. and the other thing is, the CFL, and I didn't know this till recently, the CFL has like um, some sort of agreement with TSN. They get more money if there's more eyeballs in the fourth quarter of a CFL game. Well, if you're betting on the game, yeah, you're going to yeah. watch the game yeah, at the yeah. end to see if you're going to win your bet. God, I bet, yeah. on, I bet on Cincinnati and Milwaukee in baseball. I don't give a crap about those teams, but I'm watching because I picked the over-under yeah. for $5. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was where I was going with that whole thing, was that the whole fantasy thing for these guys, like this is for me. I don't like to watch it like that. But for them, that's what they're into. Right. Right. They're into that, that watching the, the, the last 10 minutes or watching a quarter of the game because they want to see their guy. That's why they're so into the whole red zone package that they, yeah. they have because they can watch that stuff. And that's what I'm saying. Like that generation and the generation that they need in order to turn this thing around, that younger generation, that's the way that they watch sports. So if they can, if they can do something, and, and this obviously is going to be massive for them, to get those people involved and watching however they watch, because that's where it starts, right? You get them, if they're putting a $5 bet on whether or not Mike Riley throws for 100 yards or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to force them into watching, then all be it great because then the more that they watch, the more they're going to, I think, appreciate and love the game the way that we love it. Yeah. On this show, I've got Ben Halatic on the uh, Restore the Roar installment yeah. this week. Linebacker. Yeah. UBC, local kid. Uh, we've got the Canadian Javon Katoy resigned with the team. Uh, I think nice. it was uh, Thompson, the DB, he resigned with the club. Anthony Thompson. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Canadian guys. How important is it to have local Canadian talent on these teams? Because I really think it is. It, you know, the younger age. 
kids see, wow, that guy was in my neighborhood, and now exactly, he's playing yeah. on the BC Lions. And that's the thing that, of everything going on, and we can go down this road another time, Julio, the XFL, the CFL, what are you willing to give up? What aren't you willing to give up? I do not want to see that ratio go, because whether or not it's false hope or not, it's still hope. You have to give a kid a dream that he can play at the next level, like Julio Caravada, and we yeah. can't have that taken away from our yeah, kids. I agree. Hey, I listen, I see it for a tent, okay? Lamar Durant, who is a slot back for the BC Lions, went to the high school that I'm helping coach at Centennial, okay? I see it through those guys' eyes. They see that Lamar made it, right? Mm-hmm. They see that Chase Claypool made it, right? So, and those are all local kids that, that came through the high school system. And as far as you're having local kids, I'm, I, I totally agree. Especially, too, like, I know that in Regina and in Montreal especially and in Calgary and a lot of, and, and here as well, these teams are looking at kids from those those universities, those, those local kids, because they do have a brand recognition, right? The, the locals know who they are. The fans have seen them play through high school, seen them through play through university. So they, there's an attachment there. Those people want to see those guys be successful. Like, I, this is the thing I don't get. The Montreal Alouettes, I've said this before, they spent the draft pick on Colton Clausen, who is a, if you look up the definition of a football player, Colton Clausen's a guy that played with the U of S Huskies, had a bad leg break, okay? He never got to work out for the Montreal Alouettes. They drafted him and picked him in the draft. They spent draft capital on this kid, but they didn't yeah. spend draft capital on Adam Sinagra, the Heck Crichton winning quarterback from Calgary that leads him to a Vanier Cup that is French, that is from that area. They did sign him as a free agent but that does if you want to print money in this if you want to print money in this league have Nathan Rourke kick some ass at quarterback as a Canadian or imagine a French speaking quarterback as a starter as a Canadian wow. in Montreal you hey, don't listen, think buddy. you don't think that stadium would be full hey. or here or here in Regina if you had Josh Donnelly uh, of the Regina Rams he was warranted as a, a chance to make it on the roster or Mason Nyes who can throw the football up at the U of S a Regina kid He's on the roster legitimately. Like, take no offense. Can it with his global BS. And let's focus right now. Like, this drives me nuts about the CFL. If you had a restaurant, Julio Caravada and Michael Ball have a great restaurant. Okay, we got a great idea for a restaurant. And we've got nine of them. Four of them are doing okay. Two are doing really well. But the three, the three in the biggest centers suck. Okay, are we going to expand out of country or are we going to tighten things up till we get things going in the right direction? (laughs) It makes no sense to me, man. Hey, buddy, you, you know, you, you, are we supposed to be going off on this tangent? Because this is a big tangent, by the well, way. Well, go ahead. You, we, got time. we got well, time. We got time. Here, listen, you know what? I totally agree with you. But the problem lies in this, okay? The reason that we're talking about Nathan Rourke, the way that we're talking about him, and I haven't even seen him play. Like, I've seen him play on tape. Yeah. Okay, but I haven't seen him in person. And, and believe me, I don't have to tell you this. College is a lot, or college is a lot different than the pros. But the problem lies in that when you get the people at the top making the decisions. That's why, to me, Nathan Rourke was going to be a little bit different, was because they drafted him in the second round, mm-hmm. right? Now, that's no joke, but here's the other thing. Ed Hervey drafted him in the second round. Right. All right? Not Rick Campbell. The problem lies in the fact that it's, the, it's at the next level. It's the coaching. It's the belief. It's that they, they think that the coaches and the personnel people think, 
oh, it's too, the, the, the position is too big. The moments are too big. So the window for these kids to excel is so small because I know I lived it, right? I know when I went to practice every single day for eight years, I thought I was going to get cut at every practice. Do you understand how, what I'm yeah, trying yeah, to say? Like, here's, I'm, here's I'm where you're going. it's a small window, though. Yeah, here's where you're going with this. Julio Caravada had to prove he could play. The other yeah. guy had to prove that he couldn't play. He couldn't. But then he was going to get, and he was going to get a lot of opportunities to play to show he could play. Whereas, you I mean I'll never forget. I played in Regina one time. I got, I, I came in off the bench, um, and you know, I mean, I played the last quarter. You know, it wasn't spectacular. I was like four of six for fifty-five yards. I remember Jimmy Kemp was on the other side, and I know I'm dating myself. He threw three interceptions. That, and he came in in relief. Had I thrown three interceptions? I wouldn't have been able to take the flight home with the team. No kidding. They would have given me. They would have given me a ticket, a bus ticket, and told me to get home. Mm-hmm. See you later. Mm-hmm. So there is the difference, right? Is that they're 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 always, you know, it's the smallest things. Oh, he's not going to be able to play. He's not. They don't. You mean like I'm sorry. I, I and then, you know he just retired. Okay. I saw Brad Sinopoli play. Right. I saw him practice, and I'm going. Are you kidding me? That they didn't give this guy a chance to play quarterback like uh, that? And and you know what? To Brad's defense. He came out and had almost is almost a Hall of Famer as a receiver, but yeah. his his ability as the quarterback. I remember watching him in the Great Cup the week leading up into the Great Cup. I was there and I watched him close. I was like, "Holy cow, this kid can throw!" And and we're talking at a pro level, even if it's just practice. He's not. There wasn't any drop off between him and Bo Levi Mitchell. And Bo Levi obviously has proven what he can do. But Brad Sinopoli deserved every opportunity in the world to do what he, he could yeah, do. Yeah, the level of coaching and the seriousness is, uh, you know, down in the States is different, and I can speak to that personally with my kid just down south. I'm not saying coaches here aren't good. But if you had Bo Levi Mitchell with his skills coming out of UBC, would he get the same look? Same guy. No. Same guy, no. just UBC instead of, you know, down south. Hey, Ballsy, I spent eight years going to training camp every single year and having to read up on the Jason Verdusco, who was a co-offensive player of the year in the Big Ten coming out of the University of Illinois and how good he was, and thinking to myself, holy cow. And then when you see them in person, you go, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, like I'm sorry, I, I could run through the list over and over and over again. It's not the same thing. That's why we see guys from the smallest of colleges have great careers here. It's the, the, the pro game is so much different, but you need the opportunity. And you need a fair opportunity. And a lot of these kids aren't getting any of that. And yeah. so uh, until that changes, until you get a head coach that believes in you, and that was my problem. You know what? I, I, I finally gained the trust of Dave Ritchie. It took me two years. I finally gained the tr- tr- trust of, of, of Dave Ritchie, and I moved into the backup spot with Danny McManus as a starter. And I remember him saying to me, Julio, I'm not going to cut you, okay? I don't want you to go into games afraid to make a play because you're going to get cut. You're not going anywhere. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, like that's the first time in like four or five years that I've had a coach that actually believed in me like that. So I'm thinking to myself, going, wow. You know, and, and, but I, mean, I, had, I had four head coaches in eight years. Right, and then that year in '95, that was his last year. Then he left. Yeah. Right, and yeah. so you know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. it, there's so many variables at play here. Uh, eventually, and I hope we do soon. We see a kid who's going to get an opportunity, and I hope it's Nathan Rourke. I thought it was going to be the kid from UBC, um, Michael Connor, but he's in a good Ma- spot. He's in a good spot now with Dave Dickinson. Nah, he is. He is. Yeah. But 
but he's going to need to prove it, right? Yeah. Dave, Dave, and that staff, Dave, Dave's nobody's fool. I don't have to tell anybody that. Dave's one of the best coaches in the league. He knows what he knows, and he's going to be able to see if Michael Connor can play, right? And and if he can, and like if he's shown it physically, if he can prove that he can run that system and make smart decisions, because Dave's one of those guys. He wasn't six four. He didn't have a cannon for an arm. He played with the six inches between his ears. And he was better than a lot of people at it. And he's, he, he, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know I mean? I, I, I expect that if Michael O'Connor can play to, um, you know, play to that standard, then he's going to have success with a guy like Dave Dickinson as his coach. What do you make of these retirements? Sinopoli's a big one. Taylor Loeffler, 29 leaves. Uh, Derek Dennis uh, said he's not officially retired, but he's on the retirement list because he can't make enough money uh, for his family. You know, uh, it's going to be very interesting because going forward, the business model needs to change. There will always be Americans that come here, Julio, to play football. They all, yeah. they, they will. But yeah. maybe we need to look at, more Canadians playing in the Canadian Football League. More Julio Caravatis. More Ben Halatics. Guys that'll play for Canadian money. Guys, you know, with the exchange rate and everything like that. But it's going to come down to marketing and perception and that we're not as, you know, oh, he's just Canadian. We need to market it better. Perception's yeah. everything and facts are negotiable. Yeah, but, 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 what, but, but Ballsy, you, say, you, you just hit it on the head, though. we got to market them. Yeah. Well, who does that? Well, who does that? That's what we're doing on this podcast, though. Well, we're we're doing that, yeah. But you and I are are doing it because we're, we're we love the game, yeah, and we want to see kids be. But at the at, at the next level, now you're talking about an organizational thing, yeah. You got to talk about people that are in those in those organizations that need to be able to sell those players and say exactly what we're saying, mm-hmm. right? We need to be able to get those people out into the market. We need to get those people out out there so that people know who they are. But you know, all we can do is we can talk about them as much as we can. But there, I mean, if it's coming from the team, if it's getting on websites, if it's getting out in the businesses, if you get businesses to support them and get them out, all that—that's all the stuff that works, right? So yeah. I mean, it's 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 there, there's 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 a lot more to it, and that's where the league, I think, hopefully, like, and the teams. But the problem is, is that the teams are in in, in trouble too because they they are they need the funds, right? Are they gonna are they gonna hire a marketing person that's gonna be able to do that? I hope they can. But if they can't, right, then then that part of it suffers. And then, then we talk about why it doesn't happen, because there's just not the money to afford. You know, you think the NFL's worried about, they probably got branding managers and, and marketers that are, there's probably there are three or four deep on every team that are helping the players build their own brand. Well, the Seahawks, <laughs> the Seahawks have one in BC to market the yeah. Seahawks in BC. So, I mean, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. Hey, man, thanks for this. This was fun. It's always fun talking to you. I love, you're one of my favorites to, to chop it up with, and we'll do it again next week. I love it, Ballsy. Have a great day, buddy. Football is back. Tradition is back. Pride is back. Football is back. This is quarter two of Restore the Roar. Remember to tell your BC football friends about this installment. Heck, tell them about this entire podcast, Growing the Game with Ballsy. The best form of promotion and the best way to build up the three-down game in all of Canada, but in particular BC with the Lions and the CFL, is word of mouth. Here with Lions offensive line coach Kelly Bates. How are you today, Mr. Bates? Very good. Thanks for having me. Isn't it nice to see a schedule and actually uh, get back to coaching some football? Oh man, I I think about the culmination of work that you know so many people have put into it, making this moment happen, and so many things uh, you know out of everybody's control, and and just 
you know, the world in general working together and helping us get to this point, it's pretty amazing. How worried were you, uh, you know, personally that we wouldn't get to this point this year? I wasn't worried at all. I felt this was going to happen uh, 100%. Now, obviously, again, there's things that were out of everyone's control. And, you know, you just, I guess the only thing you can really do is approach it with some, some faith in, in humankind and everybody pulling together and trying to work towards a common goal of returning to some type of normalcy and, and hoping that this was part of it. But, you know, everybody wanted to do this. And, uh, you know, with the presentation of that schedule, that's a culmination of everybody working towards that. Kelly Bates, how did you become a better coach yourself, being self-reflective? Self-reflection, you, you said it right there. Um, you know what? Everybody wants to get better at what they do. I truly do believe that. But unless you're you know, willing to take accountability for that and accountability for who you are as a person, uh, you, you can't get better. And if you're willing to take a nice hard look in the mirror, look at the things you like about yourself and then look at the things that you don't like about yourself and really address those, I think that's when you become better. Yeah, that's that's a, a process that's always ongoing. And you know what? I've got so many good colleagues and friends around me that, that help promote that, and it's just, you know, it becomes a part of your, your approach to life. Okay, buddy, but give me one thing. What's one thing as a coach, maybe, that you, you uh, identify that you want to get better at? Boy, oh boy. You really put me on the spot, huh? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. You know what, for me, I, as, as much as I love the X's and O's of the game, and uh, I love competing, I love winning, you know, really... It, it came down to finding a meaning in everything that we do and being able to reflect and promote that within our dressing room and on our team, you know, and, and within our meeting room as an offensive line group. So really it came down to providing purpose for everything we do. You know, it's, you're not going to win every game. You're not going to win every battle. We're always going to strive to do that. But finding purpose within what you do and helping to reflect that within the guys that you coach so that they can find a way to buy into that process 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So really, it becomes you know more about coaching the mind than, than anything and, and preparing the guys to deal and bounce back from failure. Are you part counselor, part coach then? I, I think that everybody is. <laughs> I absolutely do believe that that's... That's where the growth has come, uh, in particular for me, is understanding that, you know, I got to be, not only do I have to prepare these guys to the best of my ability, but I have to prepare them not just with X's and O's, but with how to deal with the ups and downs of, of a CFL season and, and life in general. I know you from Saskatchewan, of course, Humboldt guy. Uh, we know what happened in Humboldt with the Broncos. You have a camp there uh, regularly. You know uh, what happens in that city now and what's going on. So how much did something like that put the game of football, just, you know, the ups and downs that you talked about, into perspective for you? Well, it just shows you how quick everyone's world can change in the blink of an eye. And, uh, you know, I guess from a personal perspective, it's, you know, I've answered this question a few times, and I, I don't really know if it's the right answer or the answer or part of an answer. But you know, for this, for so long, you you know, being a person who, you know, we lost some people we knew directly and dealt with directly, and in particular, you know, a guy like Tyler Bieber, um, that you know, people in the CFL certainly world certainly know. You know, we lost Tyler in the blink of an eye, and you realize you're not going to see Tyler on that yearly basis when we see him at our camp. And, and uh, you you would wake up every day, and it was the first thing that came to your mind. And then you try to put some perspective on it and think, well, people lost sons and daughters. People lost husbands. People lost, you know, 
people that have been part of their life every day and how are they going to wake up every day for the rest of their lives and what are they going to feel so to think about that and realize that we just need to appreciate the opportunities we get and really really hits home well put kelly uh let's go back to the count uh counselor and coach slash thing Suk Chung, Chung, I see him get signed by the BC Lions. It's a pretty big paycheck. I don't know. I mean, I'm just a uh, I'm just a radio announcer. I'm not uh, I'm not going to critique a big guy that plays in the offensive line. But maybe he didn't live up to expectations. Do guys press when they sign big paycheck? Because I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that they're human beings too. First, I'm never going to fault a guy for making money in the CFL. Um, <laughs> no kidding. Well, well, it's it's not just that. It's it's because guys get paid well at times, you know, it's, and, and rightfully so. But I think, you know, being a guy who played for a few years in the league, it's, you, you put your body through things that uh, are pretty unmanageable at times. And, and I think that every guy, regardless of how much money they make, they earn every dime. And that's my true opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, for a guy like Sook, uh, I think if you ask him, his year didn't go the way he wanted to in 2019 but he also only played half of the year because of injury and sometimes those things are out of your control now as i've got to know him over the last couple of years his work ethic is second to none what he brings to that meeting room in terms of accountability is second to none and there's a reason he's had the success he's had and uh, as we push through this pandemic and, and push to get back on the field he is a driving force in bringing our room together and, and creating the atmosphere that we want in there so I don't think those outside things bother him at all in terms of living up to some type of expectation based on a check I think what bothers him is not performing to the level that he can to help his teammates around him, and that's what's most important to him. So were you smiling as an O-line coach like a butcher's dog when the BC Lions signed Riker Matthews and brought him in? Uh, that, that was a nice uh, addition. I, I became a much better coach on that day. I absolutely <laughs> agree. You know what? Uh, and and there, there's another guy that I get to know Riker. He's a smart guy. He He's played the game of football for a long time, and he's without having the opportunity to have been in the room with these guys because he hasn't had that yet just through our zoom meetings he's fallen you know right in he's fit right into place for them you know i guess maybe that speaks to the nature of the position and and the teamwork involved and the camaraderie involved but uh we are very fortunate to have Riker. kelly bates joining us here what went wrong with the offensive line last time we were on the field because if you guys can keep mike riley upright we know what he can do and that's going to be a key it's football's pretty simple keep your quarterback comfortable make the other quarterback uncomfortable how do you keep your quarterback more comfortable this year uh, i well, i think you just answered your own question you did a great job question done no um <laughs> You know what? Uh, I can't really speak for the time before I got here, yeah. um, but I can speak after. And the first thing I noticed when I got into that room was that those guys, you know, had a great level of pride and they wanted to do the right things to become successful. And it wasn't from a lack of effort. First and foremost, protection isn't just an offensive line thing. It's a it's a totality of the offense that you run. And, you know, from everything from the offensive line blocking their defenders in one-on-ones to running backs blocking their defenders or releasing and dragging defenders out of the box to quarterbacks, you know, making sure they know when they're hot and when they're not hot. And it's, it's such an intricate, you know, machine, and everybody has to be on the same page. And when they aren't, that's when those, you know, breakdowns come. You know, you're going to get beat physically from time to time. It happens. I mean, everybody's paid to be out there, and not everybody will win on every play. But I think from the standpoint of the offense that we have in place, I feel very, very confident 
that uh, our guys have bought into it. And as we start to install it and see our guys grow here in training camp, I know we're on the right path to doing as you said and keeping Mike Riley standing up. Uh, your impressions of uh, being uh, underneath head coach Rick Campbell? When Rick became the head coach and, and the first thing I hear is from my dad and how you know his Rick's dad was my dad's hero. I mean, I think everybody from Saskatchewan can, yep. can uh, relate to that. But uh, he brings with him that name that, that has had a lot of success in football. And obviously we saw what he did with Ottawa and the success that organization had in his first six years. And then, you know, from a personal standpoint, as I get to know Rick, he's just, what I've really grown to appreciate about him is that, he, you know, he's a very level-headed individual. He's, he's a guy that's going to approach every situation the same. And, and, you know, much the way, much in the way dealing with Wally Buono was for me, he's very even keeled and you know what to expect. And when you can know what to expect and know what the expectations are of you, that puts everybody on the same page and it, it sets up and creates an environment of accountability. So that's the first thing that I've really noticed about Rick and appreciate you know, so far in working with him. Well, you can't get a better starting game, I don't think, than Friday Night Football, the marquee matchup on TSN in Saskatchewan <laughs> with a sold-out join and a Saskatchewan boy going back with the BC Lions, can you? Oh, you know what? That's, that's the way stories are written. And, and I... I mean, so many years of playing there and playing against the Riders and, and it just being my favorite place to come play because the fans make that place electric. The the love of football, I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing and I love it and it, it'll be a great way to start the season. I'm sure I'm sure it won't be loud at all. No, it won't be. No, no. And you guys will be doing your best to silence the crowd. Uh, thanks very much. I really appreciate your time, Kelly. We'll talk soon. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. When you're out with the boys, does this sound like you? Yeah, here's your beer, Tom. Tom, beer. I can't see it. Where is it? Right here. Just, huh? Grab it. Where? Tom, it's right in front of you. I can't see it. Oh, come on. It sounds like Tom should be an official CFL official. That's right. We're accepting applications to be down on the field during games for next season. Are you passionate? Offside, Saskatchewan. Can you make things up even though it didn't really happen? Face mask, Saskatchewan. Are you creative? Saskatchewan 45, super duper holding. (laughs) Then it's time for you to be official. A CFL official. Ruining games for as long as we can remember. Send your resume to jobs at AskClownsInTheStripes.com. Someone said football, so I come running. Also accepting resumes for timekeepers. Time count on announcer. 15-yard penalty on Saskatchewan. the inlet, far-sighted city planners have developed the finest football facility in North America. They have built the stadium at BC Place, a home for Expo 86, and today, the showcase for the game of the year in Canadian football. We're here live in Vancouver for the thrill of it all from CBC Television Sports, as the Argos meet the Lions in Grey Cup 83.
Well, no better way to kick off the second half of Restore the Roar than to talk with Lions legend and current front office member G. Roy Simon. I caught up with him earlier this offseason when he was down south at his alma mater in Maryland, scouting players and helping out, trying to bide his time productively before finding out that the CFL would return in 2021. I couldn't golf anymore in Vancouver. I couldn't, um, you know, hang out with friends anymore. So it gave me a chance to come down here. My buddy's the head coach here. Um, I, you know, I just I asked him if I could come down, and he said I can, I could, I could do it. I'm here on my on a volunteer basis on my own, my own dime, and I'm just, you know, just down here helping out where I can. And then it also gives me a chance to, you know, still see players. I, I see, you know, all the players I want. I watch all the film I want. I have access to every every school in the country. So. It's, it's a win-win for, for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. For your next step in your professional development, i.e. becoming a GM, I guess you make invaluable contacts, too, when you just take, you know, when, when you do it on your own dime and you uh, kind of broaden your vision, as it were, of the game of football. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, like you know, I, for me, I, I'm a 1,000% I'm a in, and, and, you know, I'm going I'm to help the Lions, you know, the best way I can. And, and, and for me, that's, that's getting down here and seeing as many games as possible. Um, like I said, I, I watch film basically from from 8 a.m. to about 10 at night. So uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing a ton of players. I'm you know I'm, I'm making contacts all across North America because we have a, we have a ton of guys here that aren't on staff that are that are helping out. And it's it's kind of the same thing where you know you make contacts, you make one contact, you make ten. So. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing, and, and just you know, making the best of, of a bad situation. A couple of years ago, I think you were uh, you were quoted as saying maybe you weren't ready to be a general manager. Do you feel you're ready now? And have you made that uh, have you made that known to the powers that be in BC? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they know they know my intentions. They know what I what I ultimately want to do. I mean, um, they know that where where I want to go, and obviously there's steps that need to be taken to do so. Um, you know, I you know I I don't know that I need to you know brag or boast about it, but um, I've talked to I, I've talked to to Rick and, and our, our president and, and let them know that you know I you know it, that's what I want to do you know for me I'm going to keep working towards my goal and, and, and I don't think anybody's going to stop me from from doing that you know whether it's whether it's next week or, or next year or, or five years I'm, I'm still going to work towards my goal. Yeah, you've always been like that for sure. Why do you think you'd make a good GM? Why do you think you'd be a good GM? Well, I, I think that you know for me I, I think that you know I've I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the legwork now that you need to, that that you need to learn. You need to learn the ropes of scouting. Uh, you need to learn the business of, of, of the organization. Um, and that's something that, that you know is still a learning process for me. And I don't think I'll ever, I, I'll ever stop learning. Um, and you know, I think, I think I know how to put together a team. I, obviously, I've, I've been um, in the huddle. I understand what it feels like to. Um, to 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 know when you have good players, a good team, a good chemistry, um, and and it's just one of those things where it's it's a feel thing, and and you know you, you're never really ready until you get the opportunity. And I think once I get my opportunity, I'll be prepared and, and ready to rock and roll. Who's taught you to be a good executive? Who who have you kind of looked up to? You know, when you played, you probably had a couple of guys you looked up to and brought you along. Who who have you kind of emulated yourself after uh, in the game of football from an executive side of things? In the end, it's 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 you know I I don't really emulate anybody because you know I have my own personality I have my own my own way of thinking but you know I talk to Wally uh, quite often I talk to um, Brendan Taman I talk to him probably on a weekly basis um, I talk to other guys in the NFL who are GMs now um, and and you know for me 
what, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, Wally Bueno, the way he built teams over the years is, is um, the, the way that, that I always grew up knowing how football is supposed to be. You know, you find your players, you, you, um, you develop your players, and then they, they turn into um, – and, and, to, and, and then you, that's how you establish a great team. And that's, that's what I learned growing up watching, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm friends with Mike Tomlin, and, and um, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how it's done in Pittsburgh. Um, so um, it's just one of those things where, you know, I don't, I don't say a whole lot. I, I sit back, I observe, I watch, and I listen. I take a ton of notes. Um, if anybody ever sees me, they, they always see, see me with a notebook. So, um, and, and I'm constantly writing, so... Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you just quietly prepare, and then when you get your opportunity, you know, you take full advantage of it. I like uh, Tomlin. He's got a steady hand, whether it's up or down, whether things are going good or not good. Like, I got a feeling they're they're 9-0, and but he's looking at ways to say, hey, we're not 9-0. and Like, we could have lost here. We could have lost there. I mean, he had Le'Veon Bell with a contract issue. It's like, okay, we'll see you later. He had Antonio Brown uh, kind of rock the boat. Okay, see you later. Those aren't two guys you just – well, you'd expect those are two guys you can't replace just like that, but Mike Tomlin has done a great job there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, the, the whole organization, it's, it's such a great organization. It's, it's run the right way. I mean, you know, they, you know they, 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 they find good people, they keep good people, and, and, they, and they, let people, they let good people grow in the organization, and then that trickles down from the top. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the way an organization should be run. And, and um, you know, I think the Lions have, we've done a great job over, over the years that I've been there. Um, obviously, we've run into some tough times over the last couple of years, but um, I think I think we're going to be um, I think we're going to be moving forward, and, and I think we're going to we're going to do a great job. Tell me about the David Braley you knew. Well, Mr. Braley was a, he was a great man. I mean, he was a great man for the CFL. He was a great man for the you know for the BC Lions. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that that really took care of the league. He cared about the league. He cared about the people that worked for him, and, and you know, you can see that in, in all the things that that he did. Um, you know, behind the scenes, it, it was never, he never wanted any credit for, for all the things that he took care of. Um, and, and, you know, even in, even in his passing, um, he's still taking care of, uh, of an organization that, that he, that he so, so dearly loved and, and, and cherished. Um, so, you know, Mr. Brady was a great man. He, you know, he was a guy that I, I got a chance to know, um, over the years, obviously playing for him and then working for him, uh, the, the past five, six years. And, um, you know, he, he, he's just a guy that really cared about the CFL and the BC Lions. You are an American, but you seem to really care about the CFL. Obviously, you're employed by the CFL, but you seem to really have a genuine uh, love for the Canadian Football League. You know, let's just talk about that lastly. Your thoughts on the league going forward. How concerned are you about the future of this league? Well, I think I think the, you know, in, in taking this time off, I think you know the powers that be are, are, are putting together a plan to, to to come back in 2021 and 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 really be successful. That when we come back, it, it's it's going to be a, a bigger and better league. I think um, you know the, this this is such a, a great game, and it means so many so much to many many people in this country, and, and as well as as well as Americans who 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 you know when you first come to Canada, you, you're not quite sure what you're going to get, but um, you feel the you feel the love. You feel um, how important it is to to uh, to people in this country in, in our country. You know, it's 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 a game that that you know gave a lot of people a great opportunity to continue their careers, uh, including me. And I'm I'm forever indebted to the CFL. I'm I'm, I'm ever I'm forever going to be a fan. 
of the CFL and, and as, as an employee, I'm, I'm going to work my butt off to, to continue to grow the game and, and, and help our league to thrive and, and, and grow um, to, to uh, you know, an, an international power that, that it is and, and that it will continue to be. What do you think your team needs to improve on? Pick one area that you think you need to get better at. Well, I think, I, you know, I think, I think we, we got to score more points. Um, you know, in the end, it's, the game is about scoring points. Um, and, and, you know, I think we have, a, we have a great quarterback. We have a great receiver. Um, we have to balance the field. And I think, uh, you know, in getting another receiver that, that can help out Brian Burns, he can take, take the load off. I know Lamar Durant is, is, a, is a top-notch Canadian, but, um, you know, you also have to have another guy that, that, um, that, can, that can help uh, balance the field, that can, that can, you know, take some of that, some of that pressure off of Brian and um, also helping, it'll help in the running game and helping control line standards. So I think it's it's not really uh, uh, one thing. It's 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 one thing that can that can uh, turn into a number of things. Um, and you know, if, if if you know, one thing that Wally would always say is, you know, we always have to balance the field. When when I was I was there, and you know, we brought in Arlen Bruce. Um, he helped balance the field, and you saw. Um, you saw the team take off from, from there. So that's, that's something I believe in. I, I think you have to have, you can't just have one star. You got to have a, a number of guys that, that can, you know, carry the load and, and, and help you, um, help you to, to win games. Thanks for the Superman. For sure, man. Appreciate it. Today's show is brought to you by Stay Put Full Body Condoms. These days, you can't be too careful. So cover it all with Stay Put Full Body Condoms. Oh, and make sure you put it on properly. That hole is so you can breathe. It goes by your mouth. Stay put. We got you covered. And it's time now for the fourth quarter stretch here on Restore the Roar, and we're going to talk now with playmaking UBC linebacker and Lions draft pick here in 2021, Ben Halatic. Let's go back to draft night. Third round, BC Lions. Uh, you're a BC kid. Just talk about the night. How did that shake down for you? Oh, it was a great night. I had my family around me, and we were watching the draft, and I got the call right after from BC, and I couldn't be more excited that I get to stay in BC and play for the Lions. Yeah, talk about your love of the BC Lions, because you uh, – I was reading you went in the uh, you you took part in like a, a play with the pros kind of program they had. Just tell us about that and how that got you uh, going with the BC Lions and in in football too. Yeah, uh, I think I was like six, seven, eight around there. I think I went a couple of years in a row and they do did the uh, practice with the pros camps and they came to Vernon. So me and my brothers went did practice with the pros and then just throughout growing up i always went always went to bc lions games with my brothers and with my dad and just always been around watching them so pretty excited who did you look up to uh, which bc lion or lions did you look up to back in the day um back in the day it was probably always uh g roy simon because we were always throwing the ball outside pretending to be receivers and all that stuff so definitely him uh, were you always a, a defender when you when you started playing football um, yeah, I started in grade eight. I, well, I was in high school, you kind of played both sides of the ball. So I was mm-hmm. receiver, tight end, running back sometimes. And on defense, I did it all as well. So kind of both sides of the ball. What turned you on to the defensive side? Um, the defensive side, probably the physicality of it, obviously. And the mental aspect of it, stopping your opponent. And those are probably two things I love most about it. 
Now you're a two-time All-Star, Can West Defensive Player of the Year in 2018. Um, but then everything went to you know what here with this pandemic. Uh, uh, how did you deal with the pandemic, buddy? Um, as soon as the pandemic started, kind of that when UBC announced that classes were going to online, I actually moved home and I lived with my parents for a bit. And then actually, my wife and I were having our wedding in May. Mm-hmm. We we're supposed to be at the end of May, so we ended up bumping it up to the end of April after a couple months of being home. And since then, we've been living together, and now we're planning our trip to move down to uh, Vancouver. Yeah. So, uh, Caitlin's her name, is that correct? Yeah, Caitlin. Awesome. So, how long have you guys been together? We've been together for about five years now. Married for just over a year. Wow, young guy to get married. How? Mm-hmm. When did you decide that she was the one? How did you know she was the one? Um. Probably a f- couple of years after we were dating, we moved down to the coast together. She went to play soccer at UFV and did her schooling there. And I was at UBC and did my schooling there. And just the commitment we both made to each other to see each other as much as we could. And ever since that, it's been great. And can't wait to spend the rest of our lives together. Yeah, no kidding, man. So how did you, okay, you, you adjusted the date. Did you adjust the ceremony and how you, like, did it go from a big thing to a small thing? Uh, you know the wedding yeah actually it was still about 20 people but that was just our siblings and parents <laughs> so we both have pretty big families and her dad was going to perform the ceremony anyways okay so he did it anyways he walked her down the aisle we just did it at a beach in vernon because that's the only place we could really do it so he walked yeah. down the aisle to the beach and then he performed the ceremony as well and our brothers and our parents and siblings were there so that's kind of neat. Did you like it better like that in, in the sense that you, you know, maybe didn't have to, uh, to, uh, and I'm just making up names here, but you didn't have to invite crazy uncle Carl to the wedding because, Oh, I would have loved to have you there, but we can't because of the COVID thing. I don't know. I think I would have liked to have everyone around all of our loved ones and everything, all our friends. And yeah. but hopefully we can do some kind of ceremony and have a party later. And once everything's kind of cleared up, you got to pinch yourself, Ben. Uh, like you're playing for your hometown team or your home uh, provincial team, the BC Lions. Uh, you know, do you remember going to the games uh, inside indoors there and what that was like? And now you may get to be on the field playing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been going to games there since I was probably five years old, a couple times a year. And throughout university, we tried to go to games when we could and mm-hmm. just can't imagine how good it's going to feel to be on the field in the uniform instead of in the stands watching. Hey, uh, Ben, who, besides on your team, who do you, uh, who do you respect in Can West in terms of a player or like to watch? Anybody you kind of keep your eyes on that's not a UBC Thunderbird? I'd probably say the Philpott Twins out of Calgary, just because yeah. we played them in high school too, and to see their success now is great to see and just always cheering for the BC guys. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, I like the fact you're a young guy and you like – Canadian football like a lot of these guys and no disrespect but when I ask them who they look up to you said G. Roy Simon a lot of these guys uh you know they say NFL guys what do you like about the three down game um I really like the uh aspect of it that it's moves a lot faster like the passing game is a lot more kind of strategy to it to get the 10 yards instead of four downs you kind of have to smash the ball forward but the it's a lot harder to move the ball in the Canadian game with the three downs and a bigger field and everything's obviously a lot nicer for the offense than the defense, but it's just <laughs> a lot more fun to play, I think. 
How do you think your game transitions from uh, Can West to the CFL? I think it transitions pretty well as um, like playing Canadian football, obviously, in youth sports to go into the CFL. I know all the ins and outs of the rules and the games and kind of all the motions and Canadian uh, football, how it's a lot different than American football, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my size and athleticism, I think, will translate great to playing defense, special teams, wherever I end up playing. What's your best attribute, Ben, as a player? I think my mindset, like dedication to the game, like on and off the field, giving it my best whenever I can and making sure I put myself and the team in the best situation possible. Have uh, Neil McAvoy and or Rick Campbell told you what they expect from you? Yeah, they expect me to come in and compete at camp and make my mark on wherever I end up playing. If it's on special teams right away, I'm going to make my mark on special teams. And if it's playing some defensive snaps, then I'm going to be make my mark there as much as I can. So just, uh, we talked about the wedding aspect and that type of thing during the pandemic, but how, how tough was it on you uh, during the pandemic to keep in shape, to keep your motivation, to be, you know, sharp mentally and all that type of stuff. Um, fortunately we had some weights and some workout equipment at my parents' house mm-hmm. and gyms were only closed here for a couple months, I'd say, in the interior of BC. So we got pretty lucky there that, they opened up pretty quick and we could go to the, use the college field here and run around with my brother. Cause he plays at UBC too, actually. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty nice having him home and we could uh, do drills together and that kind of stuff. So it's, that's cool that your brother plays with you. What's mm-hmm. his first name again? His name is Bradley. Bradley. That's right. Yeah. So uh, how neat was that to, uh, to, to play with your brother? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. We've been playing together all high school. Now, sadly, only got one year to play with them at university. It's going to be interesting for you at camp. There are two draft classes now in the CFL that haven't mm-hmm. played and go to camp. So yeah, you're going to have to hit the ground running. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. We're in Kamloops, so pretty used to practicing yeah. playing there. I've played a lot of games there and tournaments there. And so know pretty well it'll be a nice to be there. Yeah, you're a Vernon guy, but just talk about that for a second because you played a lot of, uh, I guess, the playoffs there in, in Kamloops? Yeah, we used to not have a turf field in Vernon, so we have to play all of our playoffs games on a turf field, so we go there and um, just playing Kamloops teams, we'd play two, three times a year at the same field there at TRU and like uh, all-star games and that kind of stuff. A lot of, a lot of them were there as well. Yeah, lastly, uh, where does orange rank on your favorite color chart? Hey, top of the chart. <laughs> Hey, Ben, thanks for this. Congratulations on uh, potentially being a BC Lion this year. Thank you. I appreciate it. She got her tickets to a football game. She won't wear a mask on the airplane. Always has to roam, never stays at home. My baby is a super spreader. She don't believe in social distancing. She won't get in line, take a vaccine Always has to roam, never stays at home My baby is a super spreader It's time for the gospel according to Ballsy Carl Nassib, the sixth-year NFL vet in his second year with the Vegas Raiders, he just came out as the first active gay player in the league. Now, Nassib says he doesn't want attention, but he did it because he felt representation and visibility are very important. He also gave a hundred grand to a nonprofit that helps the LGBTQT community dealing with suicidal thoughts. So yes, Carl Nassib made history, but 
and I say this as a straight man, he probably made life a hell of a lot easier for young athletes in men's team sports who might be considering a big announcement of their own soon. It's a brave move to come out and say this while you're still playing. Let's be honest, it's not easily accepted in the macho world of football. You think Nasib is the only gay player in pro football right now? Of course not. And that's why this is a huge deal. However, what I'm hoping for Nasib is that he finds that most of his teammates have LGBTQ people in their lives. If any of his teammates or opponents have a problem with him, well, that's their problem. And like racism, the negative comments against that community are quite frankly dull and predictable at this point. This has been Restore the Roar. If you have a story idea you'd like the guys to pursue, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. <laughs>